increasing regulation, market saturation, and rising interest rates. Still think short-term rentals make sense? You're not alone. Join industry experts Bill Faith and Kenny Bedwell as they discuss how you can invest while still staying ahead of the curve, identifying trends before they happen, or blowing them away outright with their insights. This is STRonomics. The podcast is brought to you by Market My STR, the ultimate all-in-one marketing platform for short-term rental hosts. Are you tired of juggling multiple marketing tools? Say goodbye to the hassle and make your life as a host a breeze with Market My STR. Boost your booking rates and increase your revenue in no time with our powerful features. Our platform streamlines your marketing efforts so you can focus on what you do best, providing unforgettable guest experiences. Whether you're a newcomer or a seasoned host, Market My STR has got you covered. Stay connected with your guests using our comprehensive set of communication tools. From custom landing pages to text messages, email marketing, and social media integration, we provide all the tools you need to elevate your short-term rental business. Streamline your operations, enhance your guest experience today. Don't settle for less so we can have it all. Make the switch to MarketMySTR's all-in-one marketing platform and watch your business soar. Visit MarketMySTR.com today to sign up for your free trial. That's MarketMySTR.com. Elevate your short-term rental business with Mark and my STR. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to STRonomics. I'm Bill Faith. This is my main man, Kenny Bedwell. What's up, dude? Hey, how's it going? Hey, <laughs> hey. Uh, Kenny, let's talk about bottlenecks. There are, there are a lot of bottlenecks, uh, so we've got a lot of ground to cover in the next 20 minutes or so. Let's start with evaluating properties. What are you seeing from people that are reaching out to you that are creating bottlenecks. And what most people do is, you know, they turn molehills into mountains with these types of things. Yes. I mean, the true bottleneck, and then I'll talk about the source of it, is, a, you know, the paralysis by analysis. So we get stuck evaluating properties. I've talked to some of you listeners out there who've, who've reached out to me recently, and um, I've heard this, you know, hey, Kenny, I'm trying to find that ideal property, I use the term ideal, or that property that's going to hit you know, it's going to be a home run. I've heard that one a lot too. And, you know, I can't find anything. What market should I go in? I'm looking here. I'm looking there. I'm looking here. I'm looking here. I've talked to this person. I've talked to this realtor. I've talked to Avery's, you know, like just naming everybody under the sun they've talked to and done and looked everywhere. And it's like, I can't find anything. I mean, that that's really the source of it. It's like you're, when you look everywhere, you look nowhere. The majority of your time shouldn't necessarily be studying which market, but where in the market. That's where your time should be spent when you're trying to figure out where to even begin. So, so the bottleneck is too many markets, mm -hmm. too many sources of influence, right? Is that what yeah. I'm hearing? Yes. And then they're, they're not getting into what you and I know is the most important thing, which is the sub market to lead to the property, right? Exactly. That's a lot better put than what I said, but <laughs> how do they buy, how do they, how do they bypass that? How do they get around that? Look, five to seven markets. I don't care what markets pick five to seven, study those markets. When you study those markets, you'll find out what works and what doesn't work in that market. And then you'll quickly realize if that's possible based on current inventory and prices in that market and regulation too, I'll throw that in there. So study five to seven, ignore the rest. If somebody says, Hey, you really should check out this market because of X, Y, and Z, ignore it, throw it out. Don't listen to it because it's noise. Focus on five to seven markets. And so when we, when, when you say study, Kenny, let's, let's talk it, let's unpack that for a second, right? Because 
a lot of people are going to say, okay, you know, I'm going to buy a four-bedroom house. That's going to give me the best return. They just have that in their mind. They go through SCR Insights. They see that four bedrooms in ABC City, you know, next to XYZ attraction or park or whatever is doing 15% gross ROI or 10%, 12% gross ROI, whatever it is. But what they don't do is they don't really analyze the first step very much, which is like bedroom count. It's like a lot of people go into like Gatlinburg or the Smokies and they think, oh my God, I need to have a six bedroom, a seven bedroom. The biggest property is going to give me the highest cash on cash or the highest yield. It might give you the most cash flow. It's definitely not going to give you the highest cash on cash, right? I mean, that's probably, I'm going to guess. I don't know because I don't study that market, (laughs) but it's probably a two bedroom. I'm going to guess. Yeah. Or even a one. (laughs) And so how, how do people study and identify that next step? So you got market, you know, sub market then property really should be analyzing bedroom counts at kind of that first level, right? Yes. Yeah. So, I mean, you've got location, you've got bedroom count, you've got quality. That's a big one too. Understanding what the quality of the property needs to be like before you get in it. Um, What do you mean by that? So what is what I, what I call the barrier of entry. So the design, the decor, the amenities that the standard amenities that are offered in that market. So if you go, for example, in the Smokies in certain areas, you got to have a indoor swimming pool. I mean, that is becoming standard. I mean, there you mean with a window, like a mod pool. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) You got to have a swimming pool, like indoor. Yeah. Like, so like, it's just one of those things where that, like, that's the standard there now. And if you go in that market and you buy a cabin that doesn't have that, you're immediately not even going to be in the 50th, you know, the average, you're going to be less than the average because you're competing with people with indoor swimming pools because that drives revenue. So understanding the key things that drive revenue in a market, which are impacted by vocation, number one, and then the, the barrier entry or design decor and amenities helps you identify what works and create like a, a buy box or a criteria checklist for that. Market. So I think one of the things that you just mentioned to, you know, kind of the, the, what did you refer to it as the core, what the design, what was it? The barrier of entry, the barrier of entry. Yeah. So I don't want to steal your terminology. The, that, that becomes a huge component <laughs> on managing your cash, right. And your performa. And your overall investment, because if your barrier to entry requires a hundred grand, you know, of adding a hot tub and, you know, pouring a foundation or bracing a deck and then, you know, new paint and flooring and furniture inside the the property, that's going to completely screw up your performa, you know, based on if you think you're going to make an acquisition and not factor in that after close cost uh, that I think a lot of people really don't focus enough on. So that's why I'm I'm sure you're in the same boat. I'm looking at my total cash all the way through close and renovation, design, or refurb, whatever's going to go into that is my total cash outlay into that property ahead of time. And and many times I've spent more post-close than I've spent to acquire the property, right? And meaning a cash standpoint, not overall purchase price standpoint. And a lot of that is, you know, the, you, you talk about the Smokies. I mean, the post-close cash, unless you're you're in the know and know how to get all that extra stuff rolled into your loan, and there are people that will do it for you, you know, can be extremely challenging. Like the Smokies, you, like you said, you have to have a pool in many places. You have to have a hot tub. You have to have nice fire pits. You have to have these amenities. And I mean, my gosh, if you have a two-car garage, 
you know, just like default, you got to put 30K into it to turn it into this ridiculous game room. Mm -hmm. So that's just to compete. That's not even to separate at this point. So that should be part of the market analysis, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, even if you didn't know what we just said, so let's assume that you're like, wow, I think the Smoky Mountains would be a good market for me. And it, it could, still could be, who knows? But let's just say you're in a situation where you, you just don't know that because there's a lot of markets out there like that. A lot of big traditional vacation markets that blew up that are just like at a higher standard than everybody else. So if you don't know that, when you start researching that market and doing the right steps and research, not looking for properties, but researching what works in those markets, that's when you discover the things that we just told you about. And the reason why we know these things is because we've done this research or we know people in those markets and, and we understand that. So that's part of the journey. And that's where you should be spending most of your time. It's not even analyzing what market, but what works in the market. I think too many people spend too much time trying to pick the market. Yeah. And, and we yeah. see that in social media. We see that in the people that reach out to you and I, right? And they get that into that bottleneck. And then they turn to Facebook and Facebook, all people post is where they're at. They don't know where the best market is, right? They just post, oh, I'm in Gulf Shores. I'm in Gatlinburg. I'm in Broken Bow. You know, it's great, but there's no context behind that, right? Yep. So outside of that kind of being number one, what do you see as the next bottleneck? So let's say that's pre-acquisition. We should probably move to like maybe post-acquisition. Yeah. And, and I, I guess like the biggest thing too is, especially for beginners or even people with like one property I've seen is understanding the timeline to get to launch. So like setting up the operations, getting the furnishings, getting everything like going, that is a huge bottleneck. You know, I, even, even myself, like you, you kind of don't, you don't know it until you experience it, but you can learn how to set up things before you, you know, like get stuff ordered before, you know, you close on the property, get your listing listed before you, it's actually ready to go. Like doing these simple steps that it will make you more money because it saves you the time of step one. Okay. Check step two, check. And then you've spent months and then you list your property and then you start taking in money. So that's, that's a huge bottleneck. <laughs> I see a lot of first time investors definitely make, but even experienced ones as well as the timing, getting the timing right. I'm going through that right now, but I knew that going in at my Montana property, you know, I mean, I, I closed on February 17th. It's essentially been March, April, May, I've made three payments. Uh, and I probably have another three or four to go before I'll even be rent ready because of septic. But I knew that going in. So that kind of skews my get ready time. Like Kenny is, is talking about, you know, in our super team accelerator program, I do an entire module on contract to close. And I think that's an extremely pivotal time to get prepared before you close so you can save time on that back end. So I look at very simple math. Uh, my Montana property is costing me, I think it's actually 48, roughly $4,800 a month. If I divide that by 30, every day costs me $160 every day, right? So I'm literally looking at roughly $5,000 a month, and it's going to take me six months, probably minimum, before I can even list on Airbnb and have a short-term rental permit. That's factored into my performa when I made this investment, right? Most people don't look at that. You look at, okay, I'm buying a $500,000 property. It's going to cost me 
$103,000 to close. 20% down is hundred grand, 3% to close. Um, okay, we're going to put $35,000 in to our refurnishing budget. And then you start and you say, oh, you know what? Hey, I want to take that wall down right here to open. Let's take the cabinets out, the header, uh, the uppers to open up the kitchen. And then something goes wrong and then you find an electrical issue and then your contractors don't show up. And what you thought was going to take two weeks to furnish turns into three months. Well, that $3,000 a month payment plus utilities plus insurance plus whatever is turned into $12,000 in carry costs. We need to prepare in advance to get that time as short as we can, right? Prior to Montana, nine days was the average time from close to going live for me and my wife. One of the things that we typically try to stay away from uh, is doing a complete renovation. And when I say nine days on average, that's we've done two major renovations. That doesn't factor those in because those were like three to four month renovations. Just the get ready, just design, flooring, appliances, paint, murals, that type of landscaping, that type of stuff. If I'm not moving walls, if I'm not doing drywall, any of those major things, I classify that as really a design. Uh, and then if I've got to do other stuff, mold remediation, new cabinets, all the new bathrooms, and that's going to tie into like a full renovation. And you need to separate those. There needs to be a line in the middle, in my opinion, because if you start on that design and furnish side and you start to cross over that line, you need to sit down and look at your financials and really understand the timing and how that's going to affect your budget and your carry costs that you have budgeted. Yeah. All right. Yeah. That's all he's got. So yeah, that means we're moving right. on to... We're moving on to the next topic. What's the next bottleneck, Kenny? I mean, I, I think, I, you know, we, we touched heavily on it in the, the, the last episode. <clears> but so once you get everything set up, you know, and even that we'll, we'll talk like bashing technology and figuring out the operations, we'll batch that into like getting started. Really, it's adjusting to the market and learning about new strategies and techniques in marketing. I mean, that's, that's what running the hospitality, you know, part of the business we have to do. And that's one of the holdups. So a lot of people were slow to adapt and slow to change. People hate change. They hate innovation, essentially. You know, it sounds cool, but in reality, like, I mean, think about it. And if, especially if you were running a short-term rental a few years ago, literally you just had to list something and it would make money. It was so easy. I like, there was like one point in time, like, I don't even remember like talking to a guest for like a couple months because like i had everything like automated i was like getting bookings i was like worried about like our prices too low like it was awesome you know and then fast forward to now i'm like crap why don't i have anything for june like you know oh i shouldn't have taken that one month long booking in in, in april because that actually dinged me in my rankings on airbnb and so now i gotta claw my a way bird up. in the hand yep a bird. <laughs> so i mean it's just like you have to, you have to be on top of it. And so a lot of people, you know, a bottleneck or a pain point is you're learning after the fact, after you lost the money, you know, after the consequences of not putting in the effort or knowing what you need to do, because you only know what you know, you know, after that you come, you're coming back and saying, okay, what can I do here? What, how do I increase bookings? How do I, you know, we talked about maximizing revenue last time, but how do I do these things? to stay ahead or beat my competition or just make money or, you know, not lose money. I mean, some people are at that point too. And so really it starts with understanding and learning. 
you have to go to conferences. You have to like constantly be in the market in terms of our industry, talking to industry experts, learning from industry experts constantly to stay ahead. Okay. But- I want to debate one thing that you said, and I own the largest conference specific to STR hosts. I don't think you have to go to conferences. Well, I you think don't what have you, to do I, anything. I, I, but, I mean, but here, here, let me, let me finish my point. Because here's what I think you should be doing. If you have to choose before be, before going to like my, and I want everybody to come to my conference. We'll have 3,000 people there next year and you're the title sponsor. So we all want, both you <laughs> and I want people at my conference. I'd rather have you do this. Like Kenny's, run, Kenny's running an event and there's only 150 people. It's just like my boot camps, Kenny. I would pick the person that, you're, that you want to be your influencer, whether it's me or Kenny or TJ or Mike or Julia, whoever it is. And go decide who you're going to follow and go all in on them and get into their smaller events. Because like you said in our last episode where we talked about your event, right? This is where you can actually answer all the questions. That's why you're limiting it to 150 people. That's why when I run a boot camp, we limit it to 100 people. I was just in Montana. I only had 20. That's where the, the real learning is going to happen. I think conferences are great. I think it's great for networking and building relationships, creating your own mastermind, if you will. And there's a lot of great stuff to learn, but you don't get the deep dives like what you're doing in a few weeks and what I do in, you know, my boot camps and those smaller events. That's just my opinion. I think there's, I think that there's a difference between these things and big conferences. Does that make sense? I, I, I agree with that. I a hundred percent agree. I mean, you could even argue, you know, saying going to your event versus going to VR May, you know, which is all about property management. It's very business centered. Frankly, every, you know, I've met hosts there who are like, why am I even here? Um, you know, versus your event where it's specific towards, you know, owner uh, hosts, you know, it's not property manager and property managers can go there and learn too, but it's like, it's for, uh, you can go there and learn something. So like there's different degrees and I absolutely agree. Like the smaller events, the deep dives, the one-on-one mentorships, the masterminds, even like that's where you're going to get the biggest and best value. But the lesson for me though, is doing it just doing something even Mm -hmm. even vr may i'm not saying go to vr may um even though i'll be there (laughs) uh i'm not saying like that's the event you have to go to or whatever but being there and associating with people like-minded people like you brings value even if it's just a little bit of value which can help you and you can take away one thing. We can all do that. Go somewhere and learn one thing, even if it's from somebody sitting next to us and nothing from anybody on stage. Take one thing away and and walk away and improve our businesses. I think that's the biggest takeaway for me. And a lot of people don't think like that. Proximity is power. Exactly. I know know it's cliche, but every single event, I don't even know how many events I went to last year. I think I spoke at four and I attended one other event in our industry without speaking. And I learned something at every single event with the exception of one. You know which one it is. I'm not, I won't mention it. Um, it was the only event I didn't learn anything of something of value that I could implement, right? And it's interesting. The first year at the Wealth Conference, Kenny, I didn't get to watch anybody. I didn't get to watch you speak or anybody. Thank God we had Julie and Will, you know, become our announcers. So I could actually sit and watch and listen. And I, and I, I was actually taking notes and learn something from every single speaker. And that's great. But the one thing you don't get when you have that big of a venue is you don't get that, that one-on-one, you don't get that intimacy. 
So I think you need to determine what works best for you, but to, to kind of backfill Kenny's point, just do something. Just yeah. make a decision and execute and invest in yourself. If you're gonna invest into real estate, you have to invest into yourself because there's too many people out there that are reckless with their future that don't know how to evaluate properties properly. They don't know how to design or stage or what a, a, amenities to be able to add to their property. And it's reckless. You can Kenny will teach you how to do that here. Just go to strdatahost.com. His events in like two and a half weeks. You want to learn how to do marketing. You have to market off-platform these days, right? You can't just rely on Airbnb and Verbo. And if you do, I think you can, but you better be really freaking good at listing optimization and pricing optimization and be in those top five on page one. Page two isn't good enough anymore. You're not earning the opportunity to be able to command the highest price point. And Kenny, you mentioned earlier about that month-long booking in April. I literally just fell off of page one for the first time ever in almost two and a half years for my Dragonfly property because I have no available. I have one week available the last week of July, and it's ridiculously priced at $2,400 a night for a seven-night stay. And I, I fell off of two. So I, I literally reduced the price by 500 bucks back down to 19 to where it should be. And I'm fine if somebody books it. Hopefully they don't. But I want to see what that does to my ranking if it pushes me right back up with a significant price decrease. These are the things that you have to learn on how pricing impacts ranking, on how ranking impacts pricing strategy, and then also how to optimize your listing for conversion and off-platform marketing as well. Cool. Great session, Kenneth. Thanks, William. <laughs> you're, very, you're very, very welcome. Everybody, thanks for joining us. Kenny and I would absolutely just love you if you'd take 10 seconds and just give us a, a short review on wherever you're listening to this podcast. You know, give us some stars. We need it as much here as we do as hosts. Um, it would mean the world, and we really, really appreciate that. It takes like 30 seconds. Most importantly, we'll see you guys on the next episode of STRonomics. Happy hosting, everybody. Thank you for listening to STRonomics. Stay ahead of the curve and subscribe today. This podcast is a hospitality.fm production.